Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That's my lovely and amazing wife, Liberty. And we're a podcast where we try to get our significant other interested in our hobbies by talking about the latest news in books and sports. And this week was a doozy. All the sports are coming back. Yeah, we're finally back into action with NHL. The NBA is back. We had the championship on the FA Cup. The MLB is back-ish. For who knows how long. (laughs) Because that's a disaster. Where do you want to start today? Well, we have some scores because we're recording the day after the first games are happening for the Stanley Cup qualifiers. Yeah, and uh, it was an interesting first night. Definitely some upsets that weren't clearly expected. And then pretty much the more expected games, I think there was really only one, I think, last week or last week, last night. That was the expected loss, necessarily. But it started off earlier in the day with the Carolina Hurricanes upsetting the Rangers 3-2. to I know I definitely didn't expect that, especially with the NHL possible MVP playing for the Rangers. Yeah, they uh, Carolina came in hot. And then on top of that, there was a fight less than three minutes into the first period. Nothing like bringing hockey back with a good old brawl in the first few minutes of the game. I just don't know why you're wasting your body right now. There's just qualifiers, but I guess it is do or die. Yeah, at this point, truly, it's best of five series, you're in or you're out. So you either come gunning for the other team or see you later. Have a nice short summer break. And then we also had the Blackhawks defeat the Oilers 6-4. to four. Possible rookie of the year, Kubelik, went ham. Yeah, five points. Five points on the night, two goals. One of them definitely just kind of in the right place at the right time. The rest of them, he seemed to pretty much earn those points. Yeah. I was worried because I was watching the game, and I know you're a Blackhawks fan, and that first goal happened, and I just went, nope, it's over. Yeah, and I I was obviously sitting at work with a customer conveniently from Chicago, which was kind of weird. And they were watching the game, and I was getting score updates while I was ringing the transaction, and I was like, oh, no. Like, this is getting worse. I don't want to hear this. (laughs) And then at the end, I thought you guys had it wrapped up, and then they got two more goals, and I was worried you were going to blow it. Yeah, held on to the lead. Crawford had a little bit of a hiccup, but he definitely stepped up his game to kind of close it out at the end. So it was uh, overall a little bit of a nail-biter, but a great performance by Kubelik and a semi-good performance by Crawford for the most part. He didn't really give up soft goals. I would argue that some of your defensemen were more of a goalie than Crawford was, having actually watched the game. Gotcha. And then we also had the Islanders facing off against the Panthers. It's the first time Quinville is back not representing Chicago in the playoffs, which uh, hit me a little hard in the heart seeing the ex-coach coaching another team. It's like a bad breakup. You just have to get over it. Yeah, it, it was tough to watch, but the Islanders ended up pulling out that game 2-1. to one. It seemed like all the games for the most part were pretty close, shy of those two games where you had the high scores. And then we finished off the night with, well... I like how you were about to just completely gloss over my Penguins loss, <laughs> which was annoying and ridiculous. I can't believe that that happened. Trying to do you a favor a little bit. It was heartbreak. It was very hard to watch. We came in strong, and then the goalie just stood on his freaking head and then kind of lost momentum up until that two-goal period, and I thought we might have had it in the bag, and then just Price stood on his head for the rest of the game. Yeah, Carey Price is notorious for coming into the playoffs with a not-so-great team and then carrying them through the playoffs. So, you know, I'm not shocked. You know, obviously I'm sad to see it because I would prefer that both of our teams are winning. 
to an extent, obviously. I don't want to see both our teams in the Stanley Cup Finals because that would be awful for this household. That would be uh, the basis for a divorce, I'm pretty sure. Kidding aside, obviously. But at the same time, Carey Price did truly stand on his head. And, you know, what, what do you expect from a good defensive and goalie performance by Carey Price? So It's rough to take the L. I, I think your team played well. They just had some weak points at times. But if I had to pick a winner by just seeing the performance and not seeing the goals, I would have told you that the Penguins should have won that game. Yeah. And I think we're probably going to start Jari just to shake it up and see if that changes anything for the next game. I don't know that for sure. No one said that, but that's what I'm assuming. And then I think they're going to stick with Price because why would you change anything when the man saved the whole game for your team? Well, shaking that type of stuff up isn't unheard of in the NHL during the playoffs. You can ask Scott Darling getting the opportunity against Nashville after Crawford had an awful game. Yeah. Um, He ended up playing three games, losing pretty poorly in his third up, and Crawford came back and was just lights out the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So sometimes a little kick in the butt when you let the younger guy come in and perform is enough to get the, the more senior veteran player to just step up their game. But the last game of the night, like you were trying to say, was Calgary beating Winnipeg 4-1. to Right. Which um, I did not stay up for, considering it was almost midnight by the time that game was over. Yeah, neither did I. But, you know, a little bit of a battle for Canada there. Calgary more or less seemed like they manhandled the, the Winnipeg Jets. They outshot them. They had the most puck possession. So it just kind of played out the way we kind of expected it to. Winnipeg, they they can show up in the playoffs, but ever since they were the Thrashers, they've kind of been either here or not, you know, when it comes to their performances in the playoffs. They're either showing up or the entire team might as well just be on the bench and let the goalie try to defend against five players. So I just don't think that they've got enough people with experience, like long-term experience in the playoffs to really go anywhere. That being said, notice Calgary. <laughs> um, neither of those teams are truly playoff contenders as far as most of the world would see. Well, how long has it been since a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup? Almost 30 years? Yeah, far, far too many to say the least. Not enough. Yeah. Every year you're the biggest supporter of Canadian teams being knocked out in the first round or not at all allowed into the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm not shocked to hear that from you. For the NBA, I don't have actual scores because I think NBA scores are freaking ridiculous. There was one game this past week that was 150 to 140 something. Uh, Yeah, it was a 302 point game played between two teams here from Texas. You know, got to go big here in Texas. Houston and Dallas Mavericks. Houston actually edged out Dallas 153 to 149. In fairness, it did go to overtime, so it's not like it was in regulation that they gave up that many points. But still, yeah. that we're talking about hockey games where the goal difference is like one point and the winner only got two points. So <laughs> It's a little bit of a different scoring system, obviously. Basketball just seems ridiculous to me. Well, you don't have somebody just standing in front of the basket the entire night like you would in hockey. You should. That would be more entertaining. <laughs> You'd see a lot of goaltending fouls, I think, in that instance. But yeah, I understand. The scores got a little out of hand. That was pretty much the only one I capped off for the week just because it was so ridiculous. That Such a high-scoring game. Yeah. There were some good defensive games. The Lakers played a pretty defensive game. They they scored just over 100, and the opposing team was in the, the high 80s, so they definitely played some defense yeah. uh, in their game. But for the most part, when it came to scores... 
is kind of what you expect from the NBA. Relatively close games, really not too many blowouts. Everybody within just a few points of one another. And they just came back this week, right? Yeah, they came back as well this week. So you have both of the NBA and NHL playoffs starting to get their picture going. Obviously, the NBA is not in playoff picture yet, nor is really the NHL, I guess. They're playing their eight-game setup, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Um, we'll just see. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I'm glad to have sports back a little bit more in full force. I would love to say that the MLB side of things uh, is looking better, but uh, it's still not. But I do have a couple of the blowout games of the week for them. Okay. You had the White Sox on Saturday, being yesterday, defeating the Royals 11-5. to We have the Braves defeating the Mets as well yesterday, 7-1. to The Rockies defeated the Padres yesterday, 6-1. to Breaks my heart a little bit. Obviously, being a White Sox fan, I'm not too attached to the Padres, but living my entire life in San Diego makes me a little biased to seeing my Padres lose. However, they pretty much lose all the time. I only lived in San Diego for four years, and I'm not surprised they lost. Yeah, they're in second place right now in in their division, which is kind of crazy to think. It's shocking. But they, they have been building a good roster around a few young players, and the Padres have done that before. They ended up going to the World Series and losing to the Yankees when I was a kid, but uh, that's kind of what they're notorious for doing, is just putting together a lot of young players and then a couple senior pieces around them and turning out a good season every 10 years. That's not often. (laughs) No, it's really not. The farm league of the major leagues, the San Diego Padres, as they're formerly known, is kind of the laughing stock and joke of the Major League Baseball Association. They're notorious for finding young players that end up in other places. Dare I say, Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs, you know, being one of the more well-known ones in the recent years. Those are the only three sports that are back, right? Um, Pretty much at this point. Obviously, there's just a little bit of news here and there. I do have a few more blowouts. We had the Dodgers just absolutely beat up on the Diamondbacks 11-2 yesterday. Um, The Giants defeated the Rangers on Friday 9-2. The Padres defeated the Giants 12-7. So... Surprised. Yeah, they they had a six-run top of the 10th inning to close out that victory, the Padres. Okay, so, so if it was a normal game, this wouldn't have been so ridiculous. Yeah, it was 6-6 six to six going into the, the bottom of the ninth, and obviously rolling the 10th, and the Padres just went ham sandwich on, yeah. on the Giants. Um, the Reds also defeated the Cubs 12-7 to seven on Wednesday. That victory wasn't necessarily so much of a blowout, but a good pitching performance by the Reds pitcher Sonny Gray. He actually... Pitched six and two-thirds innings with 11 strikeouts. And the two runs he gave up were unearned runs off of an air based off of a fielding play. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. The pitcher's name is what now? Sonny Gray. And he plays for the Reds. I know. He should be Sonny Reds. No. Do parents not think before they name their children? (laughs) Says the woman named after a bell and a statue and so on. In fairness, it's not spelt Sonny with Q. It is with an O. It still sounds wrong hearing it, but I mean, it's someone's name, so obviously it's not wrong, but still. Anyway, back to what you were saying. (laughs) So he had a really good performance on the mound. He seems to be off to a pretty good start this year. He's 2-0 as a starting pitcher. Not a name that I would have put out there as a 2-0 pitcher at the start of the season, but... Kudos to Sonny Gray. He's off to a good start. The Yankees also defeated the Orioles 9-3 on Wednesday. That's a 17th straight win over the Orioles for the Yankees. Needless to say, the poor Orioles have been just beaten up by the Yankees. At that point, you have to think it's a psychological thing more than anything else because there's been such this huge pause, especially for baseball. I don't see how that could be affected necessarily by players at that point. 
And then the last blowout of the week uh, was Mike Trout's Angels beating the Mariners 10-2. to So uh, it, there were some blowouts this week, not nearly as many as normal week in the baseball season would be. I think that has a lot to do with the players still kind of trying to get back in the rhythm of things in, in the baseball world. Play has definitely been sloppy. There's been more errors in the majors this week than there normally would be on a normal week average. So you're starting to see a lot of mistakes still exist just in fairness, though, they've they played three exhibition games and then they were thrown right back into the regular season. So, Well, in hockey, we only had one exhibition game, so I don't want to hear that nonsense. Yeah, the hockey seems to be a lot cleaner overall, play-wise, for sure. Unless you're the Pittsburgh Penguin. Come on. <laughs> but that's pretty much all the scores I have, shy of the FA Cup, which I know you wanted to talk about. So, Well, pretty much one player defeated a whole other team, so I think that's worthy of noting. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that we were joking about it being only ex-Dortmund players that were going to score last week on the podcast, and that's literally what happened. Yeah. Christian Pulisic opened it up at the earlier minutes of the game, scored the first goal, putting Chelsea up 1-0 over Arsenal, and then the Aubameyang show began. Yeah. Took a PK, scored that in the first half, and in the second half scored the game winner. So Christian Pulisic did leave the game in about the 50th minute with an injury. Well, it shouldn't be one Dortmund player against another. Realistically, yeah. It's kind of funny watching the Premier League slowly adopt more and more Premier League. I mean, the Premier League adopting more and more Bundesliga players. It seems to be becoming a more notorious thing that the Bundesliga is taking risks on younger players and then turning them into stars. And the Premier League is like, take our money. The only news out of... The Premier League, I'm going to cut it short because there's really no scores. Obviously, the season ended before our recording last week. So would be the buyout has been put on hiatus for Newcastle United, which as a Newcastle fan, I'm a little heartbroken over. I really was kind of hoping that the buying group with the Sheik from Saudi Arabia was going to go through just because they promised to spend anywhere from 250 to $300 million on contracts to bring players in to make the team better. So... Do you not have a cap in the Premier League? I don't know that there is a cap in the Premier League. I'm pretty sure you just spend as much as you kind of want on a roster and you're good to go. Jeez. Pretty common, though, with soccer leagues. Realistically, there's, I don't think, too many of them that have caps. I'm not sure the MLS does, but because we're here in the States, you know, salary caps are pretty common here in our, our sports anyways. Okay. Mike Ashley, the owner of Newcastle United, did come out and state that he is still trying to work out a deal to where he can sell to the Sheik's buying group that is investing in the team. But right now it looks like the Premier League and the British government are putting the kibosh on the sale currently. Well, the Major League Baseball is currently having some problems, as you know. Yeah, um, I literally have here on my notes in giant, bold, capital letters, COVID-19 issues. (laughs) Well, the thing that gets me is the commissioner, um, Rob Manfred, is that his name? Manfred? Yeah. Yeah. Manfred, but yeah. It's not spelled like that? All right. He said that there's no reason to quit now. And I wanted to punch him in the face when I read that because they've already had to postpone 17 games in 10 days due to positive COVID tests. Like, what do you think is going to happen from now on? The, the numbers definitely spiked this past week. Um, obviously, the Marlins COVID spike started right around the time that we recorded our episode last week. 
The Marlins reached 20 members of their organization testing positive this week, 18 of which were players. Reports from internal investigations from the MLB have come back to find that the players broke the current CBA requirements um, by staying in the hotels when they're the traveling team and just having food delivered or eating out of the hotel. They went outside of the hotel to go to restaurants and bars together, in turn putting their entire team and other players and other organizations at risk. Not to mention the staff at the hotel. Like, let's not completely dehumanize the people who are making sports possible at this point. Yeah. Currently, the MLB, um, they put out a statement they have no plans to fine or punish members of the team for breaking the CBA. Oh, that's smart. I feel like that's a very stupid thing to do because it's basically just letting other players know, hey, you you're fine, you go ahead, break the rules. It's not going to matter. And there seem to be a lot of players that are pretty upset about that in the league, rightfully so, that have voiced their opinions basically stating that what's the purpose of us agreeing to the CBA if nobody's going to follow it and there's no repercussions? Well, I don't get why you guys didn't have a bubble to begin with because, like, hockey's doing it, the NBA is doing it. Why is baseball not? Yeah, I could definitely see the frustration with that overall. It, it just seems weird that the MLB and the NFL are basically going through with plans without bubbles necessarily to protect their players and coaches and staff. It just it seems weird after seeing all the sports in the world that are bubbling down, more or less, and it seems to be working so well. Like, you have the NHL, who for two straight weeks had zero positive tests. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you follow suit on something like that? Is it just that there's nowhere that has that many stadiums or fields or whatever they're called? Or I think it would be more concerned about, like, how much damage the field would take. Because, like, players are always moving on every play. That's something the baseball players are always taught. So, like, if they were playing multiple games throughout the day, and just, as you know, like, when we go to baseball games, you're like, oh, this goes on forever. Just imagine playing multiple games a day that go on forever. 10, 11, 12 innings of, like, extra innings, and we'll set overtime in hockey brain. I don't want to imagine that because I go to one baseball game, and I think I'm good for a couple months. Right. And that's kind of the the thing behind it, I guess, more or less, is that, like, it wouldn't necessarily work with individual cities. Now, if the MLB were smart, they would have picked hotels for each of the teams to stay at when they came to visit and then made a deal with the teams where, or with the hotel where the floor that one of the teams stays on gets, like, severely cleaned between teams that comes through and then have another team stay on a different floor. So, like, they could just rotate floors, you know, every three or four days and then have those properly cleaned, and then there would be no risk of spreading COVID between Um, organizations. Unless you've got people who are breaking the CBA. Right. And it would obviously require restrictions like staying in the hotels like you're seeing in the NHL and the NBA. It only makes sense to have something like that in place. The MLB needs to come to terms with the fact that that is going to be their only option if they're going to want to play out the remainder of their season. They're going to have to develop some type of plan that will actually properly protect the players. They have a plan. They just aren't implementing it because they don't want to find people who make way too much money to begin with. Right. 
it wasn't just the Marlins that were on the struggle bus this week with COVID, though. You also had three members of the Philadelphia Phillies organization test positive after the Marlins visit. Go figure. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals also had six members of their team, traveling staff and players test positive. And then to wrap it all up, a total of 17 games have been postponed due to these different COVID outbreaks throughout the league right now. As of this moment, I mean, how yeah. many are going to in the next week? Yeah, we'll, we'll probably lose a couple more games today and I, tomorrow. I really don't think the MLB is going to make it all the way through their season. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk of that being a possibility that they're going to cancel this season. I know that Manfred has said that he doesn't want to end the season, but if he has to, he will as well. But he's kind of wishy-washy on the subject like you were saying earlier he's like kind of like we're not going to cancel the season but earlier in the week he basically said if it gets out of hand we're going to cancel the season i think he had no choice but to say that right i don't think that's actually what he's thinking or feeling about the subject but yeah otherwise covid testing for both the nba and the nhl has been minimal nba i believe only had two cases this week um and they were players coming from outside the bubble and arriving at camp finally due to whether it be family or personal reasons those two people were quarantined they were tested tested positive as they were coming into the bubble and basically were just like you stay in don't go anywhere yeah so um we'll wait to see if next week there's any more COVID cases but the nba seems to be pretty comfortable with their daily testing and making sure that the players are properly tested so i know for the boston red sox they have a pitcher who at one point tested positive for covid but he never got sick like the way other people get sick when they get covid That's what he's claiming anyways. That's what he's saying. And then he had an MRI and discovered that he had inflammation in his heart that they think is due to having COVID. And so he's not going to be playing. It's Eduardo Rodriguez. He's just completely out for the season because of the inflammation with his heart. Yeah, and it seems like we're finding more and more things that are going on with COVID. Now, whether his inflamed heart is COVID related, more than likely it is. Well, you're having people who aren't athletes, but just general normal people who are having these other symptoms come up with having COVID, whether it happens while they're sick or it happens after the fact, you're having all these other symptoms related to it, like heart problems, lung problems, fevers, brain function problems. So like, I wouldn't think it would be anything else. Right. We'll stay on the topic of MLB. It seems like it's pretty good week for news for them. If you ignore COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good, good week of news, not good news. We'll call it that way. Yeah. The big hot subject this week was Joe Kelly being suspended for eight games. It's just weird. He didn't hit any batters. He was very much a part of the bench clearing fight that occurred between the two teams, between the Dodgers and the Astros. He was pretty inaccurate for two solid innings with his fastball and had been throwing more or less off-speed pitches and he ended up throwing behind two batters with his fastball but again his fastball was inaccurate for two solid innings before this so it's not like he was like hey I'm gonna hit the Astros don't get me wrong a lot of fans in the world of sports would love to see the Astros players get hit with more pitches but at the same time Joe Kelly even in the press conference was like I didn't mean to hit hit the person or even come close to hitting a person you know like I literally just was not having good control of the ball and then he ended up striking out one of the main players for the Astros to get out of the inning where he walked a couple of batters by throwing behind them. And the two of them started 
talking trash, more or less. The Astros player was like, why don't you throw the fastball, blah, 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 blah. And Joe Kelly just made an interesting face. And I don't know how else to describe it. He was clearly like, you know, making fun of the batter. Like, why would I throw a fastball if I don't have control in it? Stupid. And it turned into like a high school trash talk fight out of nowhere. And then the bench is clear. So, like, he's being suspended for eight games. Joe Kelly has had a very minimal past of hitting batters on purpose and starting a fight. It happened once in Boston when he was the starting pitcher there. But, like, having seen four innings of him pitching, because I have MLB.TV, so I do try to watch as many of the more controversial things that go on in the week as possible, he clearly was just not in control of his fastball. And throwing behind the other players with a fastball was not intentional. He wasn't trying to be like, oh, I could hit you if I wanted to. Because if he would have, he would have just hit you. I think it's a little extreme to be giving him eight-game suspension from basically making a face and responding to somebody that was talking to him or talking crap to him. It just seemed a little over the top. And the even funnier evidence to come out was during spring uh, spring training. He was videotaped in his backyard. I think I might have shown you the video of it. And he throws the ball past the actual net that's supposed to be catching the ball. And it goes right through his spring training home window. Like shatters the window with a fastball. So he like, did show me this? Yeah. So he's notorious for not having control So why is he a pitches. pitcher? Well, like... Again, he's normally an accurate pitcher. It's just he was off on this game, clearly. And the Dodgers were well ahead of the Astros in the game, so it wasn't like it was a big risk for him to be on the mound. Do I think the face was necessary? Probably not. Would that be like an eight-game suspension in my mind? I feel like that's a little over the top. I would be getting eight-game suspensions all the time. I have no control over my face. <laughs> and and that's kind of the point. Like, the guy was clearly mocking the batter. Joe Kelly was clearly doing that, without a doubt. And it did instigate the bench-clearing fight. So, like, if anything, two games, three-game suspension, maybe? Like, eight games seems a little intense to me. I don't know. Did they not give that to him because he hit someone with a ball? He he only hit one batter, and it was in an earlier inning. It wasn't even in the same inning that it occurred, where he threw behind the other the other batters. So if someone hits me with a baseball, you better be prepared to be hit in the face. <laughs> and this is why you don't play baseball. Yeah, accidents. that's the only reason I don't play baseball. Accidents happen. <laughs> the only reason I don't play baseball. There was also some funny news. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I did in my research. Dr. Fauci, uh, or Fauci, depending Fauci. on your... Fauci. Fauci. I'll stand corrected. Fauci. Threw out the first pitch on opening day last week. Talk about not having control over your pitch. Right. Uh, so in the irony of it all, Topps Baseball Card Company um, made a baseball card for Dr. Fauci, and it sold more copies of the card in one week than any player in the history of the sport. It sold 51,000 plus copies of Dr. Fauci baseball card. I can almost guarantee that these people aren't baseball fans. Who are buying this card? Oh, they're truly buying it for the irony, without a doubt. I just thought that was kind of a funny tidbit news coming out of the MLB this week. It just seemed like a kind of a weird thing. And then with all the COVID mess and postponements of games due to weather, the MLB and the MLB Players Association agreed to play seven inning double headers in order to make up for lost games. That's more or less the news I have for the MLB. It was. Interesting that they decided to do that because it's going to be the first time the MLB has ever gone to a seven-inning style game. 
I think that's weird. Did you see where the mascots are having fun in the empty stadiums by themselves? You were showing me that a little bit last night. They're so cute. The photos are so cute. I can only fathom that if you are a mascot for a Major League Baseball team, you have to do something silly to keep your sanity right now since there are no fans to play with or have fun with. One of my favorites was from the Houston team who I don't remember the name of and I don't remember the mascot's name. Was it Orbit? Yes. And he was in the stands with one of those trays with a bunch of snacks on it, acting like he was going to hand it out to the cardboard cutouts and he was wearing a mask and everything and it was super cute. And the caption was, don't let the tray fool you. He's going to keep the snacks to himself. Well, you better believe it. If you're at a ball game, you're going to enjoy some snacks while you watch baseball. Kind of goes hand in hand. And then they had a New York team. I don't remember which one, but Mr. and Mrs. whatever the mascot is. Mets. I guess so. Yeah. And they were sitting in a box together wearing a mask, and it was so cute. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Met weren't social distancing, but obviously they're... They're married. They're not supposed to. They're a married mascot couple, so it's uh, not shocking to see them together watching the ball game. I wonder how much they had to pay for the tickets that are getting in the stadium. That's my one thing. They're the mascot. They work for the organization. I don't think they had to pay for anything. So they got the free family tickets, basically, is what you're saying? Yes. Ah. For the NHL, though, they also had a really cute mascot thing happen where the Islanders mascot, the dragon Sparky, he went up to the Empire State Building and lit it up blue and orange. For yesterday's game, yeah. I just want to see the mascots going around and doing stuff. Forget about the sports. We'll just watch the mascots be cute everywhere. It's definitely not a bad thing during this uh, current pandemic to have something kind of brighten the mood other than sports a little bit with just their mascots being cute, so... I wonder what Iceberg has been doing. (laughs) Um, Since we're on the NHL subject, we'll talk about the AHL, which makes a lot of sense, right? The AHL pushed back their 2021 season back to December 4th for their regular season to start. Wow. So they're obviously still willing to adjust that plan if they need to go backwards or forwards according with the NHL. But just because the playoff season started so late for the NHL and a lot of players that normally play on the AHL rosters currently on NHL extended rosters... Yeah. It makes a little bit of sense. That's just a long time from now. And then I read a little weird thing about Mike Babcock, the ex-Toronto Maple Leafs head coach. Okay. Who got fired at the beginning of this year for the poor performance of the Maple Leafs to start the year. I Um, mean, I don't know why he hadn't been fired before then. The Maple Leafs have been bad for a while. Yeah. He is joining the University of Vermont coaching staff as a volunteer because there's a weird thing in his contract where Mike Babcock will continue to be paid by the Leafs for the remainder of the seasons he was supposed to be the coach and can't take a paying gig. Otherwise, he forfeits the money from the Maple Leafs. So he has to volunteer. I've never heard about that in some coach's contract. Well, he was smart. He realized if he got fired, there's a good chance that uh, he'd like to have some money still coming in, and he was smart about it. He technically can't take a contract from the University of Vermont until the end of the 22-23 season. Ouch. Because he's still under contract with the Maple Leafs. And I doubt they could pay him what he was making. Well, his annual money earned from the Maple Leafs is going to be $6.25 million a year. So I doubt it, seriously, as a head coach for a collegiate hockey team. Well, it's nice that he can have a hobby. 
Yeah, it's to help out the coaching staff there and uh, still rake in $6.25 million a year. Good good on him. And then the other big news in the NHL, I guess it's really not NHL news, it's more Chicago Blackhawks news. The Blackhawks have come forward, they partnered with the local Indian tribes around the Chicagoland area and more or less had meetings to try to figure out how they could keep the Blackhawk emblem as their emblem and the team uh, name as well not being offensive about it at the same time. Well, I don't think anything was particularly offensive about the Blackhawks, except for the headwear you would see some of the fans coming in with. Well, and at our game, I personally didn't notice it anywhere. I don't know if you saw any headdresses while we were there when we were there for the opening game this year in Chicago, but the previous games I've been to growing up, I've never really seen anybody wearing headdresses. Now, I've seen them on live broadcasts from time to time, I've so definitely I know that they seen exist. Them. I've definitely seen them on broadcast. So with that partnership, they met for a week, multiple days, between the organization and the Indian tribes that made this committee, basically, to work in partnership with the Blackhawks organization. They came to basically say, hey, we're proud of the Blackhawk warrior itself, and we're totally okay with you using that as a mascot. However, we do not appreciate people wearing headdresses at your events because it is something that high-ranking members of... Indian tribes who have earned a lot of respect and spent a lot of time helping the tribe grow earn the right to wear the headdress and not These any random fan. These white people who are watching hockey. Right. Should not be wearing something that takes years to earn the right to wear. Yeah. And I'm on the same page with that. I think that's 100% acceptable. I'm glad that this committee of Indian tribe members came together to basically shut out the people that are like, oh, everything's racist, because, like, don't get me wrong, Redskins 100% need to change the name. It's a racial term. The thing that people need to realize when it comes to this sort of thing is you have to listen to the people who you're worried about offending. You can't just be offended on behalf of them. You have to hear what their perspective is, which is why I'm glad the Blackhawks did that. And it's still so shocking to me to see people on social media bad-mouthing the Blackhawks, and I'm like, they've taken more steps than any organization that could possibly be offensive to anyone. Well, ever. they don't they don't know that, and they don't understand that, and so I wouldn't be too worried about that. And, I mean, let's be honest, it would be tough to see an original six team change literally everything that they're doing and the history of the organization just because some white person somewhere was offended. I think as long as they've had this committee and had these conversations with these tribes, I don't think you're going to have any sort of issues. And if you're going to have people trying to call them out on it, you have receipts now. So Yeah, and the organization came out and stated that they're going to continue to partner with the committees to see if they can help local Indian tribes with things or um, if they need to bring attention to things that are going on in the local Indian tribe communities of the Chicagoland and northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin area as well. So they're really taking a step forward to kind of binding the organization and the community together one step further, basically. Yeah. And then the last bit of news I have for the NHL, I don't know if you have anything else. I have a lot you don't have, apparently. Oh, wow. All right, well, this one's about the GM for the Coyotes. I do not have that. So he 
was given the opportunity to be the youngest GM in NHL history at the age of 26, just a few years back, and has been building a team that honestly has gotten progressively better and better, bringing in players like Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, Kessel, um, Kessel Schmaltz, and drafting some very good players like Chichurin. And it's just that he finally made some big moves and allowed to allowed the team to really build up a quality roster. And they're in the playoffs, and then he just kind of quits out of the blue, which it shocked me at first. And now that I've read a few more articles about what's actually going on, he basically stated that he wanted to look outside of the organization and possibly end his contract. And ownership didn't take kindly to it and started making things a little more complicated for him in his role. I don't know if it means like necessarily putting the kibosh on player trades and things like that or like coaching decisions or what, but he came out and basically stated that the work environment became too complicated. He was looking for an opportunity with another organization. He asked multiple times to have that right to just have conversations because at, under his contract he was unable to. And the organization was like, no, you can't. The organization did eventually give him the right, but that was two days before he quit. So clearly it was like he was waiting a period of time to have the right to have these conversations with other organizations to possibly leave the Coyotes. And My question is, why did he want to leave in the first place? Because if you're the guy who turns the team around, you could make bank at your next contract extension. So I don't understand why you want to up and leave an organization that you did so much for. And who knows, there's all sorts of things that could have happened behind closed doors. Obviously, ownership and GMs kind of are notorious for locking up their mouths and not letting it really out beyond small details of like, this is what my problem was. And it's like, no, there were underlying issues. You're just never going to really know what's going on because they're going to keep themselves quiet about it. But they're basically both pointing fingers at each other. The ownership's like, he wanted this. And they're like, he wanted this back and forth. So I think on both ends, it was an amicable split. Um, it doesn't sound like it was amicable. Well, yeah, but... It's a mutual split. Yeah. They both were pretty much done with one another. And, and in turn, it is what happened. It's just, I, I think he should have waited till realistically the end of this current season. It's like your team's in the playoffs, dude. Like, you don't just leave right now. The assistant GM is stepping up into currently for the interim GM role. So he's been working alongside the previous GM the entire time. So they are not going to see that big of a change, I would imagine, from, like, the way the business is ran. But I'm sure you have some news in the NHL based on what you were saying earlier that I missed out on. So maybe I know a little bit about it and we can talk about it. Well, first is 18-year-old... Nicholas Robertson, who is a forward, is going to make a debut in the playoffs with the Maple Leaves on Sunday night. For so today. Yeah, game one of the qualifying round for them. I would be terrified as an 18-year-old coming into the NHL and you're getting your first game in the qualifiers. Right. And, like, just the pictures of this kid, he looks like he's He looks like an infant. Like, 15 or 16 years old. He looks like an infant. It's crazy. So, we're probably going to end up watching that game just to see how that goes for him. Right. It's definitely going to be entertaining, to say the least. Yeah. And speaking of the qualifying round and round robins, Tyler Sagan is apparently going to be prepared for the Dallas Stars round robin opener. So players who were injured are coming back. I know we got a player back thanks to this nice little break we had. It definitely seems to be working out for a lot of organizations that were injured prone, like Columbus, you guys. So it's, it's kind of good timing for a lot of teams, it seems like. 
I'm not a fan of Sagan as a person, but I'm glad he's feeling better. Yeah. You never want to wish negative things on people unless it's Ovechkin, right? Or a Flyers player. Right. <laughs> and speaking of Ovechkin, he and the Capitals decided they're not going to discuss contract extension until after the playoffs. I think both of them are hoping that they can have a better footing for negotiations. Obviously, as the organization, you want to win, but it'd be better for his contract being reduced in price if uh, they didn't. And of course, Ovechkin wants a win, so well, of he course, can make the, more money. He'd be the captain that took the team to two Stanley Cups in three years. So yeah, it would be a pretty pretty stiff argument for him to you know. You know, get, other get a nice captains contract. didn't have to take three years to get two cups. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you had a nice spread out though between your third one, so. Yeah, it it would be understandable for Ovechkin to obviously want a championship right now because as a contract negotiation tool, that's a pretty strong one. Right. So we'll see what they end up coming to after their playoff run. We'll see. Right. And I was shocked yesterday, but Michael Buble was the person singing the Canadian national anthems for these games. The irony is it's pre-recorded and in Vancouver. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just cool because he's Canadian and he's doing it, so that was pretty neat. I just love that the NHL took no consideration to the American National Anthem. The Canadians are running this show at this point, I don't mind. And they play like a MP3 compressed version of the National Anthem for the United States. You know what? I don't even care. It's thanks to them we even get the playoffs. You do what you want. I I don't even care. Though I'm not the most patriotic person, despite my name. Yeah. And the last thing I have for the NHL is my favorite flower, Marc-Andre Fleury. And Mark Stone came together to shoot an ad for the Apple uh, iPhone 11 on an Apple iPhone 11 Pro. Now, I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I'm I'm kind of it excited to watch it. It was on during the game last night. I, yeah, I caught it, the last two seconds of the commercial. It That's was on during there. the game last night. I was so excited. It's really funny and kind of cute. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury was a penguin for a long time, and I love him. So it's fun to see him goofing around playing with a phone. So Mark Stone, I'm not sure who that is, but I mean I'm sure he was in there too when I watched it. I just don't remember. He was came as a senior player over during the expansion draft so he's been a pretty solid part of that team for a while now nba news was relatively light could go into all the games but i feel like that would just take more time than you guys would be willing to listen well there's also the espn page that has all the games listed if you, right. wanted, if you really want to know what every single team is doing the big news that i saw this week was the celtics marcus smart was fined by the nba for doing something not so smart which was suggesting that in-game officials were playing favoritism towards Giannis and the milwaukee bucks during friday night's game between the two and in turn the nba was like well, wow here's a fifteen thousand dollar fine enjoy it so nba has always been very outspoken about giving referees hell which i think is a good thing it promotes better sportsmanship in the game and were they just calling the game weird or what they, they let some pretty big foul calls go and then they reversed what was arguably a charging call against Giannis. So, like, his his statement was 
maybe warranted, but at the same time, you gotta know better, man. Like, the NBA has been finding people for decades that have spoken out against referees. So it's like, well, well, it's nothing a, new. To a degree, I can understand because obviously if it's unfair, you want attention brought to it, but at the same time, it's like, you're undermining the people who enforce all the rules for the game, and so how would that be moving forward? Right, and I totally understand that. There's a time and place for it. Like, they, the organization can contest calls which don't change the scores in the game but it will bring towards fixes for the refereeing so right like i kind of understand his argument but at the same time there's options on the table and he's just not utilizing them properly and then we had a really interesting game the 76ers against the pacers so philadelphia and indiana thank you because i had no clue yeah and i know you don't like philadelphia and the good news for you is philadelphia ends up losing this game Good job. Only because T.J. Warren of the Pacers dropped a career-high 53 points in the game. He ended up scoring, had 50 points in the game, and then scored the game-winning three-pointer to beat the 76ers by two. Kudos to T.J. Warren. Put that team on your back and carry the game 53 points. It's a lot. So it's not often that you hear players going above the 50-point range. So definitely quite a bit. I just don't know how baseball's baseball or basketball leave that in there basketball yeah i don't know how it's going to advance in the future when you've got people putting out 50 points and games going to 150 like i remember when 100 used to be a lot for basketball. basketball yeah it's definitely changed the game in a sense that it's definitely leaning more towards the offensive side of things now you're seeing less and less defense and that has a lot to do with how soft of calls the NBA has been giving out for things. Like growing up in the 90s and watching the Jordan era where Pippen would literally throw elbows in people's faces coming down from a rebound. If you did that now, that's a foul, which makes no sense because literally in the rules, it doesn't state that that's a foul, but they're calling them like that. And it used to be players would purposely do it, you know, just throw the elbows back and forth to clear out the area. And it used to be acceptable, but the way the NBA sees it now is players are doing that on purpose to try to injure people. So they're like, oh, it's not okay. So as a whole, the game in NBA has definitely transformed more towards the offensive players and not so much the defensive players. That's really the reason, like, I was excited to see that Lakers game earlier this week where only one team cracked 100 and they just barely cracked 100 because that meant there was good defense on both sides of the court. And I have always been one that appreciates the game being played on both sides, hence why I'm such a hosta lover in the hockey world. He always proved to me that he was a two-way player, and I like players that play that game like that. I just feel like there's not enough defense going on, and you just have people trying to outscore each other. Obviously, that's what sports are about, or... I mean, they're just trying to out-offensively play each other. Yeah, and then another piece of news they had was about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has kind of always been one of the more outspoken players in the league when it comes to movements of society that exists, so things like the Black Lives Matter, when it comes to helping homelessness in Chicago. Like, he's always been one of those guys that's present in major subjects that need to be paid attention to. And this week he showed up on the court to one of the games with a jersey with no name and just a number on it. The argument basically being is that he believes that he is no different than any other African-American citizen in the United States because he feels like African-Americans as a whole are just somebody else of color. They're not, they don't have a name. They're just somebody else of color. 
another person that's of color. And the argument is very deep, like it's moving, so much so that another 30 players were requesting to do the same thing after he brought the movement kind of forward, the attention forward. And the NBA declined it multiple times per his request beforehand. So in turn, he just did it anyways. Yeah. He came out on the court. And Probably got fined. During the warm-ups, he was told by the refereeing staff and the courtside staff representation for the NBA that he was either going to go in and change his jersey and have one of the causes written on his back, or he was not going to play. And obviously, him not playing means a loss of salary, so he did end up going back in and changing into one of the cause-based jerseys. But still, like, the fact that he had the stones to come out onto the court and wear that jersey and try to start the game with it, I think deserves a level of respect for sure for him. Yeah. It's kind of sad that the NBA is like, here's your your allowed list. Yeah. And you can't do anything else. I get why they do it. It keeps players from doing ridiculous things. But at the same time, it's like, what's the harm of him not wearing a name on his jersey? Like, you know what his number is. You're going to call the game just the same as he shoots the ball. It's not affecting viewership by any means. And it's bringing attention to something that needs attention right now. So, I don't know. My opinion on it is it seems like it's a silly stance for the NBA when, you know, they have giant banners that say Black Lives Matter on the sidelines. So, like, what is the difference of him wearing a jersey with no name? Right. It's just bringing more attention to the thing you literally put on a hundred inch plus screen. So, I, I just don't, I don't see the problem with it, I guess. Yeah. Also, the NBA this week announced their viewership of the first two games on the NBA return. It ended up averaging 2.9 million viewers per game on average. The Lakers game spiked at 4.1 million viewers and averaged 3.9 million viewers throughout the game. So that's not quite double of what a normal season start would be for the NBA, but it was just shy of double the viewers. So like huge amounts of attention for the NBA, which I guess you kind of come to expect at this point any sport coming back is going to have a lot of viewership and then the knicks named their new coach tom thibodeau or thibodeau that's the right way to say it the second time he has been the head coach for multiple teams in the nba he was part of what turned around the bulls in the mid 2000s range when jimmy butler and a couple other well-named players were all on the roster at that point in time he had d rose as well so he, he's helped a team come from the toilet back to being a good team, a competitive team. So the Knicks, having been a team that were in the toilet, really need a guy that can step that up. There were a lot of fans that basically expressed that this was the worst season the Knicks have ever had. And they had relatively star players on their roster. So it was just like, how are these guys not performing? Yeah. So having a coach that's kind of a little bit of a tough guy coach to come in will probably straighten them out, hopefully, for their sake. That's all the news I have for the NBA. I don't know if you have anything for the current week, anything additionally? Nope. In the NFL, there was some news this week as well. The opt-out list has grown continuously this week. The NFL gave basically 10 days from the start of camp to either opt-in or opt-out for the season instead of allowing it like the MLB where players have the option to opt-out or opt-in at any given time. Well, what I think is weird is that they're setting that and yet they have no plan for their return. They have a date to return. 
no plan and you only have so many days to decide whether or not you're going to come back when you don't even know what precautions are going to be taken. Yeah, so it right now it seems to be individual organizations are taking it very seriously and doing their own thing, but there's no standardization of it yet. The only standardization they've given is how they're going to test and it's once every two days and if you are not considered essential, so a player or like main head coaches, you can be tested only once or twice a week. So like the standards are pretty lax in comparison to what the other sports are doing. Yeah. I get it. They play once a week, so it's really not as necessary, but these guys are still going to the gym with each other and working out at practices on a regular basis. There's no standardization of how many players are going to be involved with the practices or camps. So again, it's kind of coming down to teams. Most teams seem to be allowing about 20 to 25 players on the field at the same time. So they are kind of controlling it in groups and then sanitizing and then letting the next group come in and practice. But like at that point, you're just, okay, I've got the offense on the field. We can't have anybody defend them, so we're just going to run routes. Like what what else can we do? That's not a real practice. Right. So far, there's been 35 players that have opted out for the season currently. Not a lot of giant names, but some some bigger ones. The Patriots have been the hardest hit team overall, though. They've had seven total players opt out that were all starters. So not your second string guys. The main guys have been the ones for them that have been opting out. It's not a huge number. Considering the teams are allowed to have 90 team or 90 player rosters through camp, and then they have an 80 player roster during the actual season itself. The number is mind-boggling. That is so many people, especially compared to the NHL. Right. The other news out of the NFL this week, Antonio Brown, Mr. Troublemaker himself, somehow only got an eight-game suspension for the accusations that came forward with his possible sexual assault. Like, there hasn't been anything that's come forward with charges, so obviously we have to walk the line right now. No investigation. It's an alleged... Yeah, it's an alleged case currently. The NFL completed their investigation. They're not releasing documents as to what their arguments are as why they did what they did, but they're suspending him for eight seasons. Currently, he's a free agent. He doesn't have a contract. It's the first time, as far as I've ever seen in the history of the NFL, where a player is suspended but doesn't have a team to play on. It's kind of a weird situation. So well, any... it's so he can't get on a team. Well, more or less, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see if a, a team picks him up. I really don't think anybody is going to take that risk. It just seems like a bad publicity thing for any organization to pick him up currently. Well, your Blackhawks decided to keep someone who was under investigation for sexual assault, so it couldn't have been that bad of a PR move. Kind of the same situation, though, where Kane didn't have multiple accusations of that type of a thing, whereas Antonio Brown Brown has multiple accusations of sexual assault. So it's, it's a different spectrum in comparison obviously Antonio Brown is capable of being that number one guy like Kane is but again the only other previous incident that Kane had was when he was drunk and got into a fight with a cab driver which is oh is that all it's a completely different thing obviously on the spectrum of crime you know yeah it's just weird to see it happen, and I don't think a team, again, I don't think a team's going to take a risk on him. But if they do, they're going to be without him for eight games, and they're going to be paying him. Eight his... games or eight seasons, because you said seasons earlier. I'm sorry, eight games is the ban. So eight games is going to be the total punishment for him for the scandals that he was involved in last year, which, again, I think seems a little light, but at the same time, it definitely makes it a harder sell for a team to come in and try to sign him. 
Yeah. And then some good news out of the ex-San Diego team in the NFL. Joey Bosa extends his contract for five years for an additional $135 million, which makes him the highest paid defensive player currently in the NFL. So Miles Garrett, I'm sorry you had that contract for a week and a half. You've been surpassed. Joey Bosa has been one of the hardest working players on the Chargers organization, and it still hurts me to kind of call them the LA Chargers because it just doesn't feel right. But definitely a big move for him getting paid for the effort and quality of play that he brings to the organization. The last bit of news I have for the NFL, and I don't know if you have anything else additionally. I do not. Patrick Mahomes becomes part owner of the Kansas City Royals this week. So he got paid that big money last week, and in turn is spending some of it and investing it in the Kansas City Royals. He was a starting pitcher for Texas Tech's baseball team, as well as the he was drafted in the first round by the Oakland Athletics to be a pitcher, and then decided to obviously opt into the NFL contract because more money reasons, and it was the sport that he prefers to play over one or the other. But his dad was also a baseball player for a number of years, so being attached to a baseball organization isn't too shocking, I guess. And since he's in Kansas City, he might as well invest in the local team. Hopefully it ends up being a good thing for Kansas City Royals because they have been on a struggle this year for sports as a whole. I was kind of confused as to where I was going to fit this in in the news because I guess it could technically be MLB news as well. But as he's a current NFL player, it just kind of made sense to throw that into that bit there. But if that's the case, I think that pretty much wraps up all the news I have for this week. It's When it comes to leagues, it's just a few that are going right now. A lot of the other sports leagues around the world are pretty much wrapped up because they took COVID seriously and got out of their problems a little faster than the United States did. So Yeah, and there's going to be a lot more coming up next week because you're going to actually be wrapping up these series of who's moving on to the actual playoffs in the NHL. We're going to see if there's more COVID cases coming out of the MLB, so... I have a feeling next week's going to be news intensive. Yeah, I think it's going to be probably a pretty long-winded week overall. Um, just discussing, obviously, the playoffs pictures that are going to be forming in the NHL. I think it's going to take probably a pretty good chunk of time out. So, Yeah, we will check in with you guys next time. Make sure you check out all of our social media. In the meantime, we're currently running a giveaway on our Instagram, so make sure you use the links below to check that out. And we appreciate you guys giving us a listen this week, and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye!